Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today, we have Sin City and Young Money Baby to talk about post-Las Vegas and a little Phoenix preview, plus part two of our conversation with Super Planet Janet's dad, Dylan Welch is back on with us for part two of our chat. But before that, we're paying homage to two people in the number 98, two Hall of Fame caliber drivers. Papa Siegel has more this week. Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to today's look back at number 98 and two early NASCAR top 50 drivers of all time. A robust 1,047 cup starts for the 98 and 25 wins. The two drivers who earned most of those wins included Marvin Panch. Panch won 17 races over a 15-year cup career, with six of those coming in the 98 car. He finished second in the standings in 1957, but he's more well-known for two wins at Daytona, only one of which was his. He won the 1961 Daytona 500 in a year-old car wrenched by legendary mechanic Smokey Eunuch. In 1963, he was rescued in a fiery crash for a Daytona support race by Tiny Lund, who received a Carnegie Heroism Medal for his bravery and who was asked by Panch to wheel his Wood Brothers car in the big race. The rest, as they say, was history. Lund, who at 6'5 and close to three bills was anything but Tiny, crossed the finish line out of gas to take the win, after Fred Lorenzen and Ned Jarrett both ran out of gas ahead of him. The other 98 campaigner who saw victory lane 10 times in the 98 was Leroy Yarbrough. Yarbrough, no relation to Kale, was the first NASCAR driver to win the Triple Crown of the Daytona 500, the Southern 500, and the World 600, accomplishing the feat in 1969. Junior Johnson considered Leroy Yarbrough the best driver he ever had. Now that's saying something, boys and girls. Unfortunately, Leroy Yarbrough's career and life were cut tragically short by two big crashes in their aftermath, but that's another story for another day. Marvin Panch and Leroy Yarbrough were each named one of NASCAR's 50 greatest drivers in 1988. That's all for today. Lastly, a shout out to Grant Paulson, who Davey says is a fan of the podcast, and who's worth listening to himself to the rest of you out there. You can check him out at all the usual social media places that I'm currently not a member of. Thanks, Grant, and say it with me. Back to you, Duve. Thank you, Dad, and thank you to my boy, Grant Paulson. How about that for some star power, baby, tuning into Victory Lane? Maybe we'll get him on soon. Who knows? Grant, thanks, my man. Appreciate your support, as always, my friend. Keep sending me them Larry Mac Nuggets. I need them in my life. Start this episode off, as always, with a good old-fashioned reggaeton! <laughs> Young Money Baby. That's my Lil Wayne impression. It's not that good. 
But Young Money, Kyle Larson, that is, as his nickname goes, cashes out in Las Vegas. Man, long road for him to get back to this point. But there really was never a doubt that he was going to be back in victory lane in the Cup Series. Was there? I don't think so. Stage one was insane of this race, wasn't it? The rest of the race followed suit. It wasn't as great as the opening stage, but I liked it. It was pretty good. And Kyle Larson's feeling pretty good, too. His first win in almost 550 days. Fourth race right out of the gates. He's already in victory lane with Hendrick Motorsports. Feels good. Um, I guess I I didn't know if I had ever uh, have an opportunity to win a NASCAR race again. And then um, to get this awesome opportunity uh, with Hendrick Motorsports and and, Mr. H taking a a massive chance on me. Um, and then going out there and being strong all year, uh, has been, it's been great. I knew we were close to getting a win. Um, you know, our, our pit crew done a really good job all season long, uh, Cliff and everybody has been bringing really fast race cars to the track. And, um, for the most part, I have been doing my job too on the racetrack. So I knew if we could continue to do that, we would, um, get a win. And today we put it all together and, and had a dominating race car to go along with it. And, um, you made my job behind the wheel a lot easier and um, cool to cool to get a win this early in the year and, and now focus ahead and try and win a lot more and rack up playoff points and, and put ourselves in a good spot once the playoffs start. They are already in a good spot. Obviously a long road to get back here, as you mentioned, but we know what he did and subsequently went through to get back to this point. He does deserve a second chance, in my opinion, and I am glad he got one. Glad he's making the most of it. Good for him. Cliff Daniels, the crew chief, earns his first win as a crew chief as well. He was with Jimmy for two years, couldn't get the victory, and then boom, right at the gates. Race number four with new driver Kyle Larson, already a winner. Surprised maybe a little, but uh, we knew, like when Kyle and I first connected um, over the winter, we we knew there was going to be a path to get us here. We knew we had to make sure our cars were well-prepared. Um, and, and just with this schedule and, and race format, there's not, you know, there's no practice, there's no qualifying. We don't have a, a big opportunity to go, you know, build our notebook together. So you have to be right when you unload for the race. Um, so we knew it was going to take a lot of prep work to get here. And we've done that every week. I mean, Kyle's in the shop three days a week, um, you know, just pouring through notes with us, looking at video, looking at data. Our guys have done a nice job to uh, help get him prepared. And, and likewise, he's done a nice job. Of just giving us, you know, sensations that he needs to feel, uh, things that he's felt in the past, and and how he would like a car to respond in certain situations. Uh, again, we were a little bit off in Homestead, so that was a great data point um, to kind of build our notebook at a at a mile and a half track where you know we needed a bit more, and and we did make some changes to our package because of Homestead when we came here, uh, just to try to suit what he needed. And uh, obviously, it worked out today. It doesn't always work out like that, but uh, it worked out today. And just so thankful, you know, for, uh, you know, for our team, everyone at Hendrick Motorsports and for Mr. H for believing in us. And, uh, you know, what a cool day. Twas a cool day indeed. Team owner Rick Hendrick was on the Zoom call as well. He said that this win was pretty special for him for a few reasons, partly because of the paint scheme, which is a Hendrick, HendrickCars.com paint scheme that his late son Ricky Hendrick used to drive, which is very sharp if I do say so myself. And he also actually said this may be the best that Hendrick Motorsports has been in a long, long while. That's pretty high praise. I think uh, a lot of excitement because uh, when we announced it, that we, he was coming to drive for us, uh, they, uh, of course, the whole company started watching him in sprint cars. And then everybody was tuned into the Chili Bowl. 
and uh, and and we knew his talent. I've I've worked with Kyle when he was at Ganassi, and uh, you know I've always had a, a relationship with him, and uh, he's you know he's just a heck of a talent, and I think the, the energy that he has brought to our company, along with the energy to see all the cars run as good as they're running. And uh, that has got the whole organization on their toes. So uh, super excited. I, I, it just looks like uh, at every race we're in, we've got cars in there that can win it. And that's what you want. You want an opportunity to win. And everybody's working well together. Uh, the crew chiefs, Chad being the competition director, Jeff Andrews, uh, we got a we got a great team that are working really well together. Rudy has just look at William and how he's been running. So uh, I just feel like the chemistry is so good right now. I don't know if I ever remember it being any better across the board with all four cars. Yeah, two cars sometimes, uh, and then one car winning them all. Uh, but the, but now we've got a really good balance, and everybody's excited, and I'm excited. On to the Xfinity Series, where A.J. Allmendinger got the win for Colleg Racing and, of course, is still having some fun. I add parenthetically that I spoke with him for the Front Stretch podcast, a more extended version. So after this episode, go ahead over to that show, click subscribe, listen to that conversation we had. Talked about Mr. Tickles and all the all the wonders that come with A.J. Allmendinger. is a great guy to talk to, but win number one on the season for him with Colleg Racing. In the playoffs, they're definitely going to win more, but he's basking in the glory right now in Sin City. What, what I'm enjoying most right now, and, and when I say this, it's not just me. It, it's everybody, all the men and women at College Racing, Justin Haley, Jeff Burton. Um, but what I, I've really enjoyed is the first time that I've really been able to, to work on the sim and, and full-time at least and help try to develop setups, help try to work ourselves in the right direction. And, and get better. And I really thought at Daytona Road Course and Homestead, and now here, you know, our race cars have, have been a lot faster. And some of that setup, some of that is the fine tuning stuff of, of building new cars and, and putting all those fine details in those race cars. So um, I don't, you know, to, to win and, and lock ourselves in is great, but it's all about the process to get to whatever it is, race 24, when the, when the playoffs start, because it does us no good to be strong right now and then get to the playoffs and be weak at that point. So to me, it's, it's about living every weekend, working on the tools to try to make these race cars better. And, uh, and, not, and not just on, on like the 16 car. I, had, I was almost more enjoying watching Justin Haley go try to take the lead from Austin Sindrick and just drive through the field early in that first stage. And then I was when I was leading the race because it shows all of our cars are strong and Jeb finished, I believe in the top 10 again. So if that's, if he did, that's all four races in the, in the top 10 with a lot of top five. So we're getting there. We're, I don't, I wouldn't consider us the, the organization to beat yet, but it's showing that all the hard work from the off season and each week, leading up to these races to try to focus on where we need to be stronger is, is working. And how about John Hunter Nemechek bringing home the W and beating the boss man to do so for Kyle Busch Motorsports, his first win in the Ford truck for KBM in 2021, and he holds off Kyle Busch in a late race restart to do so. Pretty cool. 
it, it was an amazing opportunity. Um, let, let's just put it that way. Um, like I said before, Kyle has been a great boss, a great mentor, um, someone that I feel like I can call a friend. Um, and uh, it, it's been amazing to kind of see the process uh, over the off season um, for myself, learning a lot of things that I, I wasn't quite aware of um, and, and being able to build off that. And um, like, like we have said from the very start, uh, we, we've used the hashtag from the very beginning when we announced uh, myself coming from KBM that we're, we're hashtag here for wins and uh, we, we were able to get it done tonight. We've been close last two weeks, but um, finally being able to get the victory lane with uh, uh, a whole new group um, in, in a sense, uh, bringing Eric uh, back to the truck series. Um, we're just adding to his winningest uh, tally um, as crew chief in the NASCAR Camaro World Truck Series. And um, all, all my guys, uh, everyone at KBM, um, they, they gave us one heck of a truck tonight. Um, Kyle's truck was really fast as well. And uh, luckily, we were able to, to execute on that restart there at the end and uh, put ourselves in position to be leading and uh, win this thing. A very, very special announcement this week, people. We got ourselves a sponsor! <laughs> kind of. I would say so. And we are promoting the Rattler 250 at South Alabama Speedway. Tell you what, guys. This is the season opener for the Southern Super Series. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, it's the first marquee super late model race of the 2021 season. And this is the race where the winner gets a rattlesnake in victory lane with them. You remember that? I remember seeing some pictures of that back in the day. You can watch it on speed51.tv for just $14.99 instead of $24.99. So that means you get $10 off the pay-per-view with the code VICTORYLANE. God, I've always wanted to say this. I got my own code. This is so cool. Use the code VICTORYLANE for $10 off at checkout to see short track stars like Ty Majeski, Steven Nassi, Bubba Pollard, a whole bunch more at the Rattler 250 this weekend at South Alabama Speedway. Again, $10 off the pay-per-view on speed51.tv with the code VICTORYLANE, all one word, at checkout. You don't want to miss this one, people. And do me a solid, use the code. This is so cool. I got my own promo code. And another special announcement. We're full of them this week on Victory Lane. Before we get to Dylan Welch, we have a special guest to talk to as well. You guys may have seen the national anthem this past Friday for the Truck Series race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The singer was a guy named Benny Scholl from a band called Avoid. And... The anthem was interesting, unorthodox to say the least, and my tweet about it kind of went viral, and I wake up the next morning to a DM request from Benny, basically saying, wow, you didn't have to do us dirty like that in a joking manner, at least have me on your show to talk about it. So we did, and it was very fun, I learned a ton about Benny, turns out the dude's a really big NASCAR fan, so is the whole group out in the Pacific Northwest. They already are a sponsor of Joe Graff Jr. in the Xfinity Series, and he raced himself, plus that anthem that you heard that went viral for potentially the wrong reasons, depending on who you ask. It was not supposed to be that way. So without further ado, here is the singer of Avoid, Benny Scholl. We got a very special guest on Victory Lane this week. You guys may have seen him on Twitter in a clip that I tweeted that went, I guess, semi-viral. 
It was the Truck Series race on Friday night at Vegas, and it was the national anthem sung by none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Benny Scholl, and he's here with me today to talk about it and all that went into it. First of all, thanks for hopping on and joining me, and I think the people are going to get a nice glimpse into who you actually are and not just the weird guy who sung the anthem who, as we were talking off mic, has multicolored hair, tatted up, not the typical NASCAR fan, but you are just telling me you and your guys' band avoid, you guys are genuinely NASCAR fans. Is that right? Yeah, we're, we're genuinely NASCAR fans, and we and we originally got actually involved in the sport through That's the right. NASCAR heat game. We we have two songs on the soundtrack of that, and it even went to we have a we're an associate partner of Xfinity driver yeah. Joe Graff Jr., and he runs our logo on his car every week. And so that's actually how the whole national anthem thing even came up is since Bucked Up was sponsoring the race, they they called me up and and asked us to be a part of the race for that. See, six degrees of separation in NASCAR. It, you can't get any better than that, my man. It's, it's exactly. And so we're we're really trying to be involved. And it's like, obviously, it was kind of funny having a rock raspy guy do the <laughs> do the thing. But it's like, I don't know. It's like it was so cool to like actually be up, be able to come up and be a part of it and give it that that different side of things. And it's like, hey, at least at the track, they gave me a cheer for the high note. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to get it while you can, right? You got to get the good accolades while you can. I find it interesting, though, exactly. because... So for to take you guys behind the scenes, right? So I tweet out that clip, and like I said in the tweet, like I was laughing out loud because I was like, "This is unorthodox. This is interesting. It's different." Yeah. So the tweet kind of goes semi-viral, and then the next day, I wake up and I check my DMs, and I have a DM request, and it's Benny DMing me, and he said something along the lines of like, "Wow, you didn't have to do us dirty like that in a joking way, obviously." Yeah, I said, if you're going to do me dirty, at least bring me on the show so we can talk Exactly, about it. and here we are now. So it all worked out for the both of us. But then, so we started talking, we started conversing, and now we're here talking. But again, like, you guys and your band avoid genuine NASCAR fans, a sponsor in the sport already, songs on the NASCAR Heat 5 soundtrack, and the thing that, the thing that people know you by is maybe not that, but the anthem, because for the grand scheme of people that they're like, they're seeing you for the first time there. But you told yeah. me that that was not the plan. Like you were not supposed to do this solo. There was a whole thing that was going to happen and then it all blew up. Yeah. So, so we, we, uh, we originally came on to Joe's team, uh, in the middle of last year. And, and part of that sponsorship on the behind the scenes aspect was we were going to try and do some sync placements with music and stuff like that, being involved in NASCAR mm -hmm. national anthem, being a rock band might not have necessarily been our number one <laughs> thing we were going for maybe uh -huh. some other things, but we, I mean, truly we love to be involved in any way we yeah. can. And so we we had actually submitted about a year ago because uh, we knew it was on the table to potentially be picked up for a national anthem at some point mm. and we had a beautiful two guitar version i didn't even touch that track it was great and everyone would have been all happy and then so less than two weeks before the race because i think the sponsorship kind of got announced on the truck race and everything happened pretty fast i get a call that they would like us to, to do the national anthem but they don't want to use the guitar version and you have to do it traditional huh. and you have to sing it. And so we did a guitar sing version that we had all ready to go. And that was all we practiced on the week's notice. Huh. We get on the track. We are five minutes from performing. They have no power for our guitar. So I'm told in the moment, right before I'm about to go on that you're doing this acapella. I've never sung the national anthem acapella by myself until that very moment right there. Wow. It was, so it, was it literally happened last second. 
literally everything happened last second. And that's where I joke, because I know you were being friendly about it, but it was just like, I was like, oh, the NASCAR fans weren't being as friendly no, about it. No. And I was like, oh no, I hope you guys don't think I was just like trying to come on here and just like take advantage. Like, I just want, I want it to be very clear that we do care about like bringing that next fan yeah. base and helping more people from the alternative scene, like be involved, you know? So that was going to be my next question. I mean, you obviously saw a lot of, if not all of the fan reaction to how your anthem was received. I'll say sure. anecdotally now, I mean, on such short notice, I think you did a pretty damn good job, all things considered, better than me, so I shouldn't be speaking, you know what I mean? But I, I mean, appreciate that. yeah, but most of the reaction, I mean, you saw it, it was like, oh, this, this is a disgrace. I can't believe NASCAR would let this person in here, blah, blah, blah. What did you think of all that? Because some of it is in jest, clearly, but some of it, people were like genuinely upset. Yeah, I mean, honestly, man, it's funny. And it's like, we're a rock and roll band. Rock is supposed to be controversial and rock is supposed to, I mean, the fact that people are talking about it is honestly the best thing. I mean, I'm talking to you. Who would have thought that I thought I was going in just going <laughs> to sing the national anthem. Everyone was going to forget about it. And yeah. now I'm chatting with you. We were, I mean, it became such a bigger thing than we thought mm -hmm. it would ever be. And it's like, I don't know. It's actually, I mean, it's all in good fun. I just like, it was weird because we had never gotten in a position. It was like, so that's why it was, I was flipping you something. I was like, you need to do us dirty because it felt like the dogs got stuck on us yeah, for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, whoa, hold up. We didn't expect any of this. Yeah. But it was like, it is, that was like really the only reaction of like negative. It wasn't what they were saying. It was just that it was so much so fast. It was like, oh, whoa. Because we, yeah. it's funny being a rock band. We thought we were doing it traditional quote unquote as traditional as we could do it being rock artists so i mean it's all good fun though you know what i mean we're we're good sports and and it's there were some really good roasts in there <laughs> there were some good roasts i will say that much. what, what why did ones. the why did the cameraman zoom in on your shoes at the end well why wasn't the camera audio even synced yeah well, that wait, too what, what was that, that entire that was like come on so man. we have a bone to pick with las vegas because there was no there was no electric for your guy's guitar he put he got put on such short notice. The camera sync was off, and we just happened to see your shoes, like your white chucks. I don't know what the deal was there. Maybe they liked the white chucks. I gotta get it. Your boy had the drip on that day. It's I all mean, good. for real, <laughs> drip too hard for real. I mean, Joe Graff Jr. is in the headlines now because he's got Antonio Williams Jr. He's bucked up all day, every day, and now he's got you guys to thank for that as well. I mean, I, I can't man. I can't hate on the drip. I gotta respect it. Hey, I appreciate it, bro. And hey, now we're friends out of the whole deal. So even better, right? That's right. That's right. So lastly here, Benny, I, I wanted to give you a chance to tell the people a little bit more about your guys' group. Avoid, obviously, if you play NASCAR Heat 5, you've heard your guys' music. So where are you guys yeah. located? Where can people find you and check out your guys' work? Yeah, man. So we're, we're actually out of Seattle, Washington. And uh, you can find us on all social medias at Avoid Kicks Ass. And uh we're we got lots of rock songs and some nice songs and some heavy songs and and we just really like to have a good time and kick ass you know <laughs> i love that you you can find something that's your taste with the void so be sure to check there them no out if, if you give the discography a chance i promise you there is a song in there for you not all of them but there's one Okay, listener back guarantee. You heard it from the man, the myth, the legend himself, Benny Scholl. Dude, this this is fun. Thanks for hopping off with me for a couple minutes, and uh, I'm thanks glad that. Explain my side of the story. Yes, <laughs> dude, of course. I mean, I am a journalist, so I got to get all sides of the story here. 
Uh, but yeah. it, it was it was great to catch up with you a little bit, and hopefully we'll be able, be able to see you perform another national anthem, maybe the one that you planned with some guitars. I mean, hey, maybe you won't see a national anthem, but I would love to work out maybe something where we could do a little something more up our speed where we play one of the NASCAR heat songs at the track or something that maybe is a little bit more in our wheelhouse. Set us up for success. You know what? I think I think we can work something out there. I mean, esports are all the rage right now, so like there are NASCAR heat tournaments. I'm sure that you guys could show up to one post-COVID. Rock out, yeah. enjoy yourselves. We can work that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll this won't be the last time we talk. I can, I'll hold no. you to that. <laughs> you got it. All right, Benny. Thanks for hopping on, man. Hey, thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate it. How about that, party people? The wonderful power of the internet, the power of social media. One day, I'm sending out a funny tweet. It's going viral. The next day, I'm talking to the man, the myth, the legend himself. He was super cool, too. I think you guys probably were able to to glean that from our conversation. So hope you enjoyed that. And give Avoid a follow on social media. Listen to some of their music. It's it's some good stuff. So check them out. Now we'll throw it over to our interview time. Part two with Dylan Welch of the Motor Racing Network, NBC, midget racer extraordinaire, Hannah's boyfriend, as people affectionately know him. Jokes, but not really. We're picking up where we left off last weekend from part one to now part two, including his time with MRN, how he got involved with them in the first place, some funny stories there, as well as NBC, the influence that his dad had on him in general and also in the professional atmosphere It's not as much as you think, which I was honestly surprised about. How he's able to navigate working with his girlfriend, his significant other, and balancing work and play, because that can be a slippery slope in the business. Janet makes an appearance or two, which is always fun. We love that. And so, so much more. He is the man. You will see why in part two of our conversation. He gave me so much of his time. So I say you give us some of yours. Here's part two of our conversation with Dylan Welch. So you mentioned that's how the MRN opportunity came to be for was from your USAC announcing. So I'll ask what skill sets do you think are required in your role at MRN, which is primarily as a turn announcer that are unique to that specific role. And I'm not even just talking about racing play-by-play compared to a stick and ball play-by-play. Those are insanely different, but I'm even just talking like general play-by-play like you hear, somebody in the, in the booth doing like Alex Hayden or Mike Bagley, something like that compared to actually just doing a turn and focusing on those two specific corners for the entire race. What specific skill sets do you think are required of you in that role? Yeah. I mean, I think for radio, it's pretty straightforward. It just, you just call what you see and, and that's easier said than done, obviously, because yes. you know, there's a certain, a certain flow and cadence and rhythm that you kind of have to get in to do it well. Um, but that was, that was what I always that motto was what I always tried to apply from the very first time I started with USAC is just call what you see. And, um, you know, I did the same thing when I, when I went to MRN, I just, I just tried to, you try to paint a picture and be as descriptive as you can without stumbling Mm -hmm. over yourself and getting too, you know, cute and fancy with it. Um, but it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, for me, I felt like has just kind of come naturally and I'm, I'm super blessed and, you know, thankful that, I've been blessed with that skill. Um, but that's, that's how that's as easy as it's been for me is I just try to call what I see. And even when, like when I'm on pit road, um, you know, doing radio stuff or even TV stuff too, it's like, just say what's in front of you, be, you know, tight and concise with whatever you're calling, Mm -hmm. get in, get out, get it to the next guy. And 
and that's worked out okay for me so far. Well, you make it look easy, but I, I mean, people know it's not. You make it look yeah. very easy. So, uh, so good on you for that. Before we move on to the TV stuff, the MRN crew is an absolute riot. My favorite part of being at the track is listening to the MRN scanner frequency and just listening to the banter in between commercials, all the terrible dad jokes. I mean, it, it's just great. Can you share some of your favorite stories? They can be PG-13. They can even be R. I'll, I'll edit it out if I need to. Can you share some of your favorite stories from the MRN crew with us? Oh, man. I'm trying to think of of what ones I could share. Uh, we've had some, we've had some good times and, and it's kind of been, you know, another downfall of this whole COVID situation is, uh, you know, we've lost out on some opportunities to do some of the stuff that we used to do, but, uh, we used to have a, we used to have a golf cart that we would, um, you know, use at the track to get people to the turn positions or, you know, just whatever, you know, whatever we needed to use it for. And, um, there were some nights specifically, I think at Talladega is the one that comes to mind where, uh, finished uh the xfinity race and went back to the hotel and changed and got ready and came back and took the golf cart out for a cruise on the boulevard and uh and hung out for the night which was fun and um the our golf cart privileges after that were uh, were tightened up a little bit unfortunately but um no it's been fun i mean that's that's one thing too i tell you know tell people that's so much fun about working with mrn is um you know obviously these guys are, are amazing at what they do but um it's like a family, you know, it's, it's, it really is, you know, you travel with these guys for, you know, as many weeks as we travel together and, um, you know, you get to know about their personal lives and, you know, what's going on at home and, and you just become, you know, genuinely good friends with these people. And, um, you know, that translates to, you know, away from the racetrack too. If you go to dinner or go, you know, go do whatever you're going to do, you know, it's, it's your friends. So working with MRN, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've, been able to do it as, as long as I have and kind of get ingrained in the, the cup side of the, the crew, you know, cause the cup crew is different than the standalone truck crews or his Xfinity crew. So it's different people, but every one of them, you know, genuinely enjoys, uh, you know, their work and, and being at the racetrack. And it's, it's just so fun to be a part of. That uh, golf cart incident at Talladega. I mean, that could, I mean, Kyle Ricky would never do something like that. Right. It's just never couldn't imagine it. I'm trying to think of who you, I'm trying to think of who even was on, who was, who was there with us. I don't remember if Kyle was or not. Um, but yes, I do love, I do love working with Kyle Ricky and, uh, getting to hang out with him. And yeah. I'm, I'm uh, a little jealous that I don't get to go to Vegas this weekend, but I think I get to see him in Phoenix next weekend. Yeah. I mean, we bust his balls, but like Kyle's amazing. The postman, Kim, like there are so many ridiculously talented people at MRN. Um, and I mean, even now, like it's still one of my dreams to, to work with them. And I got the chance to do an audition with them, which you really helped me like prepare for. I remember like two years ago at Iowa, something like that. Um, yep. I mean, that was a thrill for me too, just to talk with Dan Hubbard and, and all those people. It was, it was awesome. So MRN is amazing and, uh, you are just adding to their wonderful lineup. So thank you for that story. It was wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, you also do some TV work obviously for NBC and I think we we didn't do it together, but we were at the track together for a few races on the West Coast when you did some tape delayed stuff for NBCSN for the K&N Pro Series. Again, I was watching some of your reels uh, in preparation for this. You interviewed Kevin Harvick at Kern. You interviewed Kevin Harvick at Sonoma. You did some other stuff here and there with Derek Krause at Kern because that's he loves that place. Um, how did the TV aspect of things 
come together for you. Did your dad have any influence in that and any help in that area? Because clearly people know him uh, being on TV, but he works for Fox. You're doing stuff with NBC. So how did that all come together for you? Yeah, my dad honestly had nothing to do with it. Um, hmm. It's funny. I was so I was a runner for NBC. Um, first, I was a runner for NASCAR and ESPN. Yeah, like 2012, 13 ish. You know, whenever they were still doing it, the last couple of years, I was a, run, a production runner. So I would you know come to the track and drive the talent around on golf carts, do, you know, the heavy lifting, refill the coolers for the camera guys. I mean, just grunt work for the broadcasts. Um, and I was doing that in college just to make some money and, and kind of get, you know, involved in the sport and, and try to meet some people. Mm -hmm. So the NASCAR on ESPN production crew, a lot of them transitioned to NBC, uh, when it became NASCAR and NBC. Mm -hmm. Um, and through that, you know, through the running, I got to know Jeff Benke, um, and um, I don't even remember. I don't even remember where or when or how that you know he kind of became aware that I was like an aspiring broadcaster. Um, I think I just walked into his office one day and sat down with him and said, "Hey, like, you know, can I send you a tape and just you know have you look at look at my stuff?" And um, I that was like the last year I did that was like I think sixteen. And then in 17, I moved to Charlotte and started working uh, at the NASCAR Productions building as an editor. Um, and through that opportunity and some openings that came up with the K&N broadcasts that were on NBC, um, I got moved into a couple of those races just to do them. Um, and I guess Jeff and the folks at NBC saw it and liked it and put me on a couple Xfinity practice sessions in 2018. And then I think I had a race by the end of 2018 on an Xfinity show. Mm -hmm. And from there it just kind of spiraled. So that's something, you know, too, that that's so interesting that, um, you know, and I have this conversation with Hannah and another, you know, buddy of mine and, and even, you know, guys like you, Davey, who are, are trying to still break into the sport. It's like, I got so lucky, you know, with the timing of everything and, and, how things fell into place when they fell into place that the opportunities that I got presented to me, you know, it's our hard opportunities to come by. And so I, I just, I got really lucky with the timing of things. And obviously when, when you get opportunities like that, you have to take advantage of them, exactly. which, you know, I, I feel like I did, but, mm -hmm. um, it's so hard, you know, and especially now with, with the way things have been kind of slashed at the knees to save some, you know, save money, which is nobody's fault. It's just how it is, but it, it comes at the expense, a lot of time of, of talent opportunities, um, especially at the lower levels, you know, when you're trying to get reps to send to NBC executives, you know, it's, they're hard to come by. So, um, you know, I kind of got in, you know, got in under the wire with, you know, still being able to do some live to tape, you know, K and N broadcasts and, you know, some ARCA races and stuff like that. Um, that, you know, fortunately it, it kind of panned out for me, but, I mean, it's hard, you know, it's like, and I'm thankful every day that, that things fell into place like they did because, um, it all happened so fast that it, it's, it's hard to believe really. Yeah. That's the thing. A lot of people tell me and, uh, it's really true, but it doesn't like, you know, make it any easier. A lot of it is timing. Um, a lot of it is connections and who, you know, but a lot of it is just timing. And it seems like the timing worked out really well for you. But the thing you hit on is like the timing can work out. And the opportunity can be presented there for you, but then you got to deliver. 
and you did that. Right. And that's why, you know, you're in the place that you're at now. I also find it interesting and I'm curious, you know, a lot of people, I'll be honest, myself included, figured your dad helped you get to this point. <laughs> Janet! Quit. <laughs> I knew there she was going to say hello at some point. I didn't think it was going to you know, be there now. she is. Yeah, you can Hi, see Janet. She, I don't know even what she's Hey, Super Planet Janet. Neighbor walking. I'm not even editing this out. I need Janet in the podcast. I'm serious. (laughs) I was, I know, I was honestly expecting her to make an appearance earlier than that, too. Well, she's Um, more than welcome to come say hi again. She's, uh, she's laying back down on her beanbag now, watching the neighborhood. So wonderful. She, she's ridiculous. You know, she, she stands here and there would be people, you know, walking up their own personal driveway (laughs) and she, you know, freaks out and barks at them. She does. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Anyways, I'm sorry. What was your what was your question? <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I, it was funny because it was actually like a serious question too. But Janet, uh, Jan- Janet does her thing. I was gonna say, you know, a lot of people, and I'll be honest, myself included, figured that your dad probably helped you get to this point and definitely had an impact on you, but maybe opened up some doors that weren't already open for you. But it sounds like that wasn't the case at all. Like it was, it was a case of being at the right place at the right time for you to get to where you are. But it was also just working pretty damn hard at it. Like your dad didn't help you get the USAC announcer job. Your dad didn't help you get the MRN job. Your dad didn't help you get on television, even though he's on television. You did this all yourself and your dad just happens to be in the same sport, in the same industry. Is that right? It is. And and that's one thing that, that was important to him to do. Right. Um, You know, because he didn't want, he didn't want me to get those opportunities because of, you know, him putting the good word into somebody because- he wanted me to work for it. Like he had to work for it, which I, I so appreciate. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's one thing that I've, I've always appreciated about having, having him in the industry is that, you know, he can introduce me to people or the right people, or, you know, that's what, you know, when I was, when when I was kind of trying to get into it, that was one thing he was great at is he would be like, Hey, here's so-and-so's email it's up to you to send the email and compose the email and put whatever in it you're going to put in it. Right. Here's this guy's contact info, but it's up to you to, to make the connection Mm -hmm. and and start that relationship. Um, and that's, that's the biggest thing. And the best thing that he's taught me and still teaches me is that this industry is just so much about relationships and, and nurturing those relationships as you, you know, continue to, to grow in the sport, even as broadcasters. Mm So, um, yeah, he, you know, he was a great supporter and still is a great supporter of mine, um, but was very adamant that I do it, you know, do it on my own. And um, I think, you know, in a way, we're both kind of glad that I'm at NBC and he's at Fox because <laughs> yeah. it kind of it kind of erases that notion that my dad mm-hmm. just got me a job, um, which wouldn't have been the case anyways if I'd been right. hired at Fox. Right. But uh, it's it's still, you know, kind of nice that it worked out that way. Yeah, because I mean, I, again, like I, I'm guilty of it. I figured before I did research on you, and you just told me I figured that your dad probably helped you get get the TV gig for sure. And it's just it it could not be more false. So I apologize for that, and I'm sure a lot of people probably think the same thing. But I hope that they're listening now and they realize that you got here on merit. You didn't get here because your last name, and that's the truth. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that, and and at the end of the day if people think that then then so be it you know yeah. it's still up to me to like we talked about you know still up to me to to do the job mm-hmm. and um and you know i'm just thankful that like i said you know that i've gotten gotten the chance to at least try to prove myself to uh, you know, some of the doubters. So from that first point when you did the Xfinity practice, you had a race towards the end of the year. 
it was pretty fast progression, if I remember correctly. I mean, you were on cup broadcasts and qualifying practice. You do IMSA stuff now. Really, really fast progression, I would say, looking from the outside. Did it feel that way, actually doing all of these races and practice sessions that yourself? It didn't in the moment, but when I look at it, you know, look back on it, yeah. I mean, it it, it was. I mean, you um, went from like K&N to cup in like two years. Yeah, yeah, which I mean is is, you know – again, and I don't want to, I don't like to toot my own horn, but like I was a runner for NASCAR and NBC in 2017 mm-hmm. and, you know, was, had no on air experience with them. And and then, you know, was doing cup races in 2019, like that, it is a, it's a fast, it's a fast ride. That and, doesn't happen um, in TV for people that don't understand yeah. that does not happen. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it is amazing really. And, and when, when it was happening, it was just like, you know, I was just glad for the opportunities. You know, I was just appreciative of, of them putting enough faith in me to, you know, throw me on, on NBC and do these races. Um, and, and it, again, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, this is the next opportunity. I've got to, I've got to figure out how to, you know, how to do it. It's like, you know, when, when I had the conversation, uh, about doing IMSA stuff, they were like, do you know anything about IMSA? I was like, no, I like, I've watched the Rolex 24, like, you know, every a couple yeah. of years, you know, but it's like, that's like, that's it. And I said, but I'll learn, I'll figure it out, you know? And that first IMSA race I did was the six hours at Watkins Glen and so overwhelming. I mean, like I had no idea what, you know, who to talk to, like completely a fish out of water. Um, and now I've, I've grown to really enjoy doing the IMSA races, you know, and it's just, it's, it's that same concept of, you know, in this industry, it's so cutthroat that if you get an opportunity, you know, at any level, really, if you want to keep your job, you've got to, you know, put in the prep work and the dedication to understanding what you're covering. Yep. And even if it's something completely new or foreign, uh, if you don't figure it out, somebody else is going to, and they're going to take your job. So that's kind of been the mentality that I've tried to have too, is that, you know, yeah, there's weekends where it's like, oh man, like I got to go do a, you know, two and a half hour IMSA race at mid Ohio, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It's like, you know, sometimes you don't want to go, but it's like, it's your job and you got to be a pro and you got to, you know, put a hundred percent effort into it. And so, um, that's what I've, I've tried to apply to, you know, every weekend that I've, I've worked is just take advantage and be appreciative of the opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it's cliche, but like people like me, other people would kill to have that opportunity too. So like, yeah, you got to do it justice. And that's, that's another point too. And and it's been a good reminder for me Mm -hmm. um, because I've, I'm a firsthand witness to several of my friends who are trying to do the same thing that I'm doing. You live with one. aren't having, yeah, right. And they, and they're not having, they're (laughs) not having the success that they deserve. I mean, you know, people like you and people like Hannah, I mean, you guys deserve that next opportunity and it's, they're just so hard to come by. And so that makes me that much more thankful for the, the opportunities, you know, to work that I do have, because I know how hard you guys want it. Yeah. And I it, mean, and it, it, it makes me work that much harder because yeah. I know there's people that are, that are clawing to try and take my job. So it's yeah. good and bad. Yeah. I, I feel that. But at the same time, like it is well-deserved. So like, I, I know you don't feel this way, but some people are like, Oh, I don't know if I'm deserving of it. Like if you're in the spot, you're deserving of it. It's just a matter of sure. if you're going to be able to keep up that progression and that performance to continue to be deserving about it. Did you feel sure. any nerves at all? Like the first time you went on national NBC for like a cup broadcast, were there any nerves at all? Or was it just like, all right, just look at the red light and do my thing. 
I still, I still do get a little kind of jittery. Like when we, the thing that always gets me is our pre-race whips. So mm-hmm. like interviews I feel okay with, but it's like the whips that we do where like on NBC, we're standing at the cars yeah. and it's like, you know, the camera's making those crazy moves and it's like from you to the car back, you know, it's and you're very and it's like timing a 15, centric. Yeah. 15 second thing, but it's very timing. You know, you got somebody in your ear saying, okay, you got to go to, Got to go to Dave Burns. Go to Dave. Go to Dave. Go to Dave. While you're trying to finish up your thought, so hard. Um, so, and you, you know, you want to nail it because that's the thing that they always stress. They're like big energy. It's the first thing people are going to see. So, that's the one that you kind of have to nail. Um, so, I still do kind of get anxious to do those. Um, but I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't even ever. I wouldn't say it's like even a nervousness. Like even that first one, it, it wasn't. It wasn't nervousness. It was just kind of like. It's like you're pumped up. Yeah, it was, and it was almost just more kind of like the apprehension of of just wanting to get going and get get it started, yeah. so that you can you can just do it, you know, because you sit there and you think about it and you you psych yourself out about it. Oh, what if this happens? What if this happens? It doesn't happen. Just you just got to do it and adapt yeah. on the fly and and figure it out as you go. So, um, so no, I wouldn't even I wouldn't say that it's it's been nervousness. That it's but it's always just kind of that that excitement and that buzz, you know, that yeah. you get like kind of as a race car driver to just get things started. It's a good thing to feel a little bit of jitters. Cause that means it's important. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I mean, again, like super cliche, but it's super true. Like when I was doing the MRN, uh, uh audition, like I, I was shitting my pants, but I was like, <laughs> that's good. That means that it means something. And, uh, you know, like my MRN audition was the most nervous I have ever been about anything in my entire life. Where was it? Uh, it was at Michigan in 2015. Um, well, you did okay. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> but I, but I know that I know the feeling of yeah. being nervous because that's it's you. It's a big opportunity, and you don't want to mess it up. Well, they hired you. They didn't hire me, so uh, I digress. No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, I think you got you got hosed. I think by more than more than just. I know. Well, I mean, like we said, it's timing. It's just this yeah. stuff happens. So uh, I yeah. digress on that. So let's talk about uh, your dad a little bit more. I will call him your dad because I imagine calling him Vince is a little bit weird for you. Um, you've worked with him like a handful of times, and not with him on the same broadcast, but at the same track doing similar jobs, um, and you've done it a lot of times. Is that like, does that ever get old? Like, I understand that's really cliche, but like you and your dad started this venture together in 01 at Phoenix when you were seven. And now he's established in the industry. So are you. you. You've both made incredible names for yourselves and you're killing it and you're doing it side by side together. Like, does that ever get old for you? It really doesn't. You know, it's it's super cool. And, and we've been fortunate to work on the same telecast uh, together just one time. But, you Was know, obviously Arca? when I'm on... It was Arca at Gateway. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously like, you know, like the Daytona 500, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was on pit road for MRN. He was on pit road for Fox. So badass. And those moments, you know, where it's like, Janet's down here choking on something. Um, <laughs> but it's those moments, it's those moments like that where, you know, we're standing on the grid and, you know, he comes up and stands next to me and gives me a fist bump. And we stand there for the, like the national anthem together. And we're just, you know, side by side on pit road at the Daytona 500, you know, like it's unreal. It's awesome. You know, and it's, it's again, something that, uh, obviously very, very few people have the opportunity to work, you know, side by side with, a you know, parent, um, you know, doing the same thing. So, um, 
it's super cool for me, you know, and it's, and I appreciate it more and more because, um, you know, as he gets older, obviously I know that, you know, those opportunities are, are going to, um, just naturally, you know, become less, you know, less frequent. So, um, it's super cool for both of us, I think. And, and I really, really appreciate it. And just, it's just nice to kind of have a familiar face down there, you know, and, and, you know, makes it, makes it feel more like home. And you guys were also the first father son duo to work in Indy 500 broadcast. So going from fist bumping at Daytona to fist bumping at the Indy 500, which I know as we've heard, that means a lot to you too, because you're an Indiana boy born and bred. And you've told me before, like, I think the first time you were on, um, Indy 500 coverage, maybe it was on NBC sports gold. It was like a practice day, something like that. But I think I texted you cause I knew that I was like, that was a big freaking deal, especially for you. And I think you wrote back, said something like, there's nothing like this place. And, um, that still rings true today. Like it's Indianapolis motor speedway and nothing's going to, nothing's going to rival that. And the fact that it meant that much to you growing up and it still means that much to you now. And now you're able to do that in a professional setting and you did it with your dad. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah this, the speedway, I mean, and you know, anybody I think who, you know, has been there a lot or grew up around that place understands this, but, um, it's like, like, I don't get, you know, and, and this is no respect, no disrespect to Daytona or the 500, but you don't get, at least I don't get the same jitters and feeling going in there as I do going into the Indianapolis motor speedway. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's probably because I grew up around IMS, you know, I've been going there since I was, you know, seven years old, but to me, that place is just, it's hollowed ground, you know, it's, it's, it's the Mecca. And, um, you know, that, that was true from the first time I went in there, you know, I used to go in there during the month of May when I was, you know, a little older, when I was, you know, when I at least like looked like I could maybe be 18 and like, (laughs) my dad would like, I don't want to get him in trouble, but like would sneak me in the garage, you know? And, and, and so that place to me is just always, it's always resonated and represented the best, the best racers in the world, the best race in the world. Um, you know, the coolest racetrack, the most, you know, special event in the world. And, um, I always had those, you know, I always have had those feelings and, and, you know, the goal when I, you know, obviously started racing, my dad and I always joked about, you know, the goal was, you know, for him to interview me in victory lane at the Indy 500. Um, and you know, now that kind of has, has transitioned to, you know, it's, it's been cool for us to just get to work some events together, but, um, working anything at the Indianapolis motor speedway, whether it's practice or, um, you know, in his case, the 500 or, you know, brickyard stuff like i got to interview kyle bush in the xfinity race victory lane last year at ims like that's it for me like the fight like the speedway is like yeah. the place for me so anything any opportunity i get to do any sort of work there um you know means means more than anything to me so you've covered indy you've covered daytona you've participated in and been at the chili bowl or chili bowl as i now say like can we compare them are they comparable I don't know if we can, you know what I mean? They are, they are in, in their own kind of unique way. Um, you know, I think that chili bowl is, is, is unique because it's so intimate, you know, it's, it's 20,000 people or 25,000 people in a building designed to probably hold like 15,000. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's like an event, you know, it, it, the energy in that building and it's hard, it's hard to explain until you're there and you can experience it, Mm -hmm. experience it. But there's just so much energy and so much buzz and just so much like 
you feel like you're going to blow the roof off the place. Like on Saturday night there, when, when you've waited all week and now it's, you know, the big race, um, that feeling is amazing. And then the Indy 500, you know, is, is the same way. I mean, there's so much buildup and anticipation with, um, you know, back home again in Indiana, the release of the balloons. Oh, I mean, God. I mean, Unreal. everything from everything from the time the cannon goes off at 6am, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it makes, it makes me cry every single year I go, you know, it's like, we're in the stands, you know, doing opening ceremonies and they play taps or sing back home again in Indiana. And it makes me cry every me year. Me too. And, and, and the Daytona 500 is the same way. It's, it's, uh, you know, and each person is going to have their different views on, you know, which one is better and, and n nobody is wrong because, you know, each of those races mean so much to so many different people that I think it's hard to, hard to, you know, rank them one, two, three, but, yeah. um, they're all, they're all amazing events. They're all, um, you know, once in a lifetime experiences is, you know, for people that, if they don't, you know, have the opportunity to, to, to go to them frequently. So, um, I'm again, thankful that I've had the chance to, to go and experience all three. Grown men do cry at Indianapolis. I do it every year <laughs> yep. too. I got no shame. Yeah. I'm not the only one. Believe no, me. Yep. No, you're not. All right. I got one more like semi-serious one. Then we'll, uh, we'll make funny a little bit courtesy of Hannah. Uh, but this question <laughs> is actually about Hannah. So like, so, so my question here is like, you guys work together at MRN, obviously, right? And a lot of people, I mean, if you're on social media, you guys know that you guys are together. So how do you manage work and play? Because you're working together, but you're also going back home and you're living together. Like it's, it's, it must be like, I don't think it's hard for you guys to manage, but it could get a little sticky looking at it from the outside. Now I know it's not because I know you guys as, as people, and I know you guys as professionals and like that stuff doesn't mix, but I have to imagine like at some point your bosses probably had to like talk to you guys and be like, all right, here's like what we're working with, whatever. Like, do you see what I'm saying? I feel like I it just looks a little bit different, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it is, it's, it's weird. It's, it's unique. It's, um, you know, we're, we're kind of at different points in our broadcasting careers. Mm -hmm. So like, we're not even really at this point, like, you know, clashing or, or competing for work against each other, which has been good because, <laughs> you know, not that I, not that I think that if we were both going for the same job and one of us got it and the other didn't, that it would be like, you know, a breaking point. Cause I don't, I don't think that would be the case. I think mm -hmm. we both are just at the end of the day, the checks come into the same house. Right. True. So, <laughs> um, it's feeding Janet the same food. Yeah. So I think that part of it has been, has been a non-issue. Um, but yeah, there was, you know, it was funny when we first started dating, um, you know, Hannah was, was apprehensive because she didn't want to get in trouble, you know, mixing work and play, which I totally got and respected. Um, you know, so, uh, thankfully everybody at MRN was, you know, they were supportive of it, you know, and wanted it to happen. And they were laughing at us for trying to hide it from them, you know, as long as we did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun too, you know, and it's, um, I've enjoyed, you know, kind of watching Hannah, you know, continue to grow and develop as a broadcaster. And, you know, I certainly don't claim to be an expert or anything, but, um, you know, I, I hope that, you know, she's found some, you know, stability in the fact that I, you know, have done a little bit more than she has just cause I've been at it a little bit longer and, and mm -hmm. she can kind of lean on me to, you know, to offer advice and things, but it's nice because, um, we bounce, we bounce ideas off each other, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I certainly, like I said, am, am not 
trying to say that I'm perfect. So there's things that she does that, you know, I learn, learn from and apply and, and vice versa. So it's been really fun, you know, to, to, you know, both of us be broadcasters and, and, you know, kind of working in the same industry, uh, together and, and kind of trying to both grow and, and make it together. So, uh, it's been fun. No, I appreciate your thoughts on that. I wish 49 episodes ago I asked Hannah that, but I guess my interviewing skills have gotten better over time because uh, I was just curious about that, you know, because I know you guys yeah. away from the track and I know you guys at the track doing your jobs and I never got any sense of A, animosity or B, yeah. like conflict within like the company. You know what I mean? So I'm glad that uh, yeah. glad it's all good there. So thank you for that. Well, yeah. And, and a funny, if, if she's apparently going to throw me under the bus here with some of these questions you're going to ask me, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw her under the bus too please, while I got please. my shot. So we actually dated a couple times prior to like this time that we, you know, are dating, you know, we've mm -hmm. been dating for two years and started in January of 19. Well, in like March of like 2018, we went on a few dates and, um, it basically, you know, just kind of ended like fizzled out because she didn't want to get in trouble with work, you know, because she had just taken a job with MRN and didn't want to be, you know, the girl that comes in right away and starts dating a coworker, yeah, which I, I totally her. get, yeah. totally get, totally understand. But she never told me that she just like <laughs> stopped talking to me basically. Ooh. And, and I had no idea that that was really why, because, you know, she ghosted she, you. you know, she was, yeah, she really did. Was worried about, you know, her job, <laughs> which if she had said, I would have been like, okay, like, that's, I totally get that, you know, but, uh, we've both thankfully matured a little bit. And then, uh, you know, the second time around, I think hit it on the head. Second time's a charm. That works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. All right. Well, she didn't give me too much dirt. Uh, so she's a good girlfriend for that, but I do have to ask, uh, what's up with your socks? Like I, I have some holes in my socks, but yours, yours is a whole nother level. Like it's, that's ridiculous. You're not even wearing socks. It's like thongs for your feet at this point. <laughs> I do. I have to defend myself on that one pair because even, even for my standards, that was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> and the only reason I kept it on was because I wanted to, you know, get a rise out of her. Yes. So that one did go in the trash. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, I have holes fine. in my socks too. Yeah. I do the same thing with my girlfriend. She's like, you can get yeah. new socks. And my mom's like, you can afford new socks. I'm like, yeah, but I don't need them. Cause the holes this right. big, it's fine. It gives me character. Yeah. It dri and it drives her crazy. And it's like, you know what? They're fine. The, it's I priceless. Can get, you know, I can get, get a couple more months out of these and we'll be fine. So, yeah. okay. All right. I'm glad we got that settled. Um, we're going to Vegas this weekend. This is, since we've gone really long, this is actually going to be in two parts. So at this point, it's going to be going, we're going to be going to Phoenix, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, I was told to ask you about your first weekend working for MRN in Las Vegas. I, I hear there's a story there. Oh God. Wow. She really did throw me under the bus <laughs> on this one. Um, yeah, I don't even think this was, I can't remember if it was my first weekend in Vegas working with them or not. Uh, I don't feel like it was because I don't think I would have been this brave, but, um, basically, you know, basically we stayed at the, at the South point uh -huh. and, um, I went out a little bit, like just kind of down in the casino, um, and, you know, drank a little bit, had a few beverages, but nothing, nothing super crazy by any means, but had a, had an early flight, had like a 6am flight out of Vegas or something, which, you know, from the South point is a good, probably, you know, 20 minute drive yeah. and had yeah. to call a cab or, you know, whatever. So, um, had my alarm set everything, you know, for like four 30 or whatever, long story short, slept through them somehow or woke up and turned them off and went back to sleep. Worst nightmare. Um, 
and woke up, you know, at like nine 30 and was like, Oh my God. It's like the hangover in real life. What, what did I just do? You know? Um, you know, and I was still, I was still early enough in my, my career at MRN that I was like mortified, you know, that I had just like, you know, lost my job. I'm going to have to call Uh, corporate. They're going to have to refund. I'm never going to work for them again. I know it. Thankfully, thankfully our travel girl, Nicole is a saint. Um, (laughs) she's the best. And, and she just was like, you know, no problem here. You're on the nine 30 flight, which, you know, now that I'm like in the network a little bit more and like have heard some of the stories that was like, you know, nothing compared yeah. to some of the things that have happened in the past, yeah, you know, yeah. but, uh, yeah, in the moment I was, uh, I was a little nervous. That's so funny. I love it. I, that's still like my worst nightmare. I knock on wood, just knocked on literal wood. I've never slept through an alarm to catch a flight. I've been close. Yeah. But I've never missed a flight that's like early in the morning like that because of my doing. It's sometimes it's been traffic, sometimes it's been you know delays, whatever. But uh, wow, that is that that's pretty bad. I, I will say. Yeah, but, I think that's the I think that's the only time that's ever happened to me though too. So it uh, hopefully doesn't happen again. First and last, hopefully. That's yeah. the, that's mm-hmm. first and last. Um, I've never gone out with you in Charlotte uh, because a I don't live there yet, and b there's a pandemic. But I hear you're a real big karaoke guy. Can you confirm or deny? I do love doing karaoke, which is funny because um, I'm I'm honestly pretty introverted, um, you know, until I am comfortable around people and get to know people. And then I'll then I'll, you know, talk your ear off or, or if whatever, you have but, like two drinks and then you're good. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you know me, like you don't look at me and think, oh, he's a karaoke guy because I just don't have that personality. Um, but that started that. in college. Yeah, that started in college. We had a we had two bars at Ball State, um, and one of them was called the Chug, and it was they did karaoke on Thursdays, and I just one night had had, had just enough liquid courage that mm-hmm. I decided to get up there and sing, and uh, it has turned into like you know an addiction now. Like I love <laughs> I love doing it. It's just so funny, and um, it's just fun. You know, it's like you know it's obviously you know at some point you have to be a little brave to get up there in front of people and, and do it. But yeah. it's like half the people that do it are so terrible and people aren't listening really anyways. Half so the like, people aren't going to remember. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like, who cares? You know, it's fun. So what, yeah, what, I, I do enjoy it. What's your go-to song? Um, in college it was, I used to sing God bless the USA. That was like a, <laughs> that was like a deep cut for me. And I, I know super random, Yeah, what? but I sang it one time and for whatever reason it like, people loved it you know like the whole bar was like singing um so i sang that a couple times in college um lately hannah and i have been doing trying to find like some country duets to Mm. sing so like picture by kid rock and cheryl crow and then like party for two by shania and billy currington Mm. have been two of the ones that we've done a couple times to try and practice so um, practicing so, karaoke i love yeah. it so I'll, I'll i'll honestly i'll sing about anything like i've i've got up there and rapped eminem i've mm. like i've sang old country i've sang uh i've sang lionel richie before like i'll i'll sing whatever it just it's whatever the whatever mood strikes me well you have my word uh when the pandemic is over and i get down to charlotte and we have a free weekend i would love to do a duet with you out yeah let's do it all right cool it's a date uh last thing <laughs> 
Uh, you're you're using a wonderful podcasting microphone for your computer now, even though it's Hannah's. Uh, it's still really nice. And you have a podcast of your own, I know, with uh, former MRNer Tyler Burnett and Flow Racing. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where people can find it so we can hear more of your dulcet tones? Yeah, it's it's called the Loud Pedal Podcast. We started it, Tyler and I did, at MRN um, a couple of years ago, and it was called Rip the Fence. And uh, Tyler actually small aside was the announcer at USAC the year before I was and then left USAC to take a producing job at MRN. Um, so known him a long time, you know, we're both just dirt racing fans and that's what our podcast is a loud pedal podcast, um, on flow racing. You can watch it for free or it's on Apple podcasts and Spotify and all that. Um, basically just talks dirt racing, you know, midgets and sprint cars and, uh, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, just try to try to keep those fans in the loop on, uh, you know, what's going on there, but we have a good time with it. You know, we talk about more stuff than, than just racing and, um, you know, bust each other's balls a little bit, which is, you know, the foundation of Tyler and I's relationship. I was going to say, it's easier to do that to him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of fun and love, uh, love people to check it out. Um, last thing, seeing that Michigan state beat Indiana last night, I, I know you went to ball state, but are you an Indiana Hoosier fan? Well, so my youngest sister actually is going to IU now. She's a freshman at IU. And Kelsey went so, to MSU. And Kelsey went to Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. my middle sister. So, um, yeah, so that's that's been fun to have uh, to have a Big Ten rivalry in the house. I've always admittedly been a little bit more of a Purdue guy than an IU guy. Mm, boiler up. Um, so, um, but I love Big Ten basketball. So that that's that's another thing I miss too about living in Indiana. Honestly, was you know we'd go to Pacers games a lot or, or just you know go to a random college or high school basketball yeah, game, yeah. you know, and you could get, you know, fairly cheap tickets. And I miss that. Well, uh, I don't know your youngest sister, but rub it in her face for me, please. And give Kelsey <laughs> a hearty go green for me. I will. Um, it's been super fun, man. I mean, you've given me almost an hour and a half of your time. So I thank you immensely for that. And I, I told you a little bit earlier, but like you, you've been a big help to me in my short career. And, uh, you know, we've seen our trajectories go a little bit higher years, higher than mine. But um, I'm thankful for you for for helping me with stuff from my MRN audition that just bouncing some ideas off you and stuff like that. And um, and for all this time today. So keep killing it. I appreciate you. I appreciate your work. And I hope I can uh, see you soon and we can do some karaoke together. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate you having me on and um, look forward to seeing you soon. Hopefully give Janet a good boop for me, please. I will. I don't know where she went. I think she went outside, so she can go out there and be noisy. Okay, yeah, she's going to yell at people for walking up their driveways. And we're back. Thank you, Dylan. God, that was great stuff. Loved it as always. I I really found it interesting talking about his career and how his dad literally didn't really help him at all. Of course, he was able to open some doors for him, but as he said, you know, he had to do the grunt work himself. He was a runner. He was on the production staff. He opened doors for himself once his dad was able to put him in contact with the right people. So I learned a lot about Dylan's story and Dylan as a person. I hope you did too and have a newfound appreciation for him because I already thought he was a badass and great at his job before and I do even more so now. So Dylan, my man, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it and your example and your work. And to Janet too, if she's listening. Love you, Janet. Can't wait to give you a boop next time I see you. Let's preview Phoenix Raceway this upcoming weekend out in the desert. The Instacart 500. My family's used Instacart a fair amount during the pandemic, so good to see them getting involved in NASCAR. Sunday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. Truck Series are off this weekend. 
but the Xfinity and Arkham Menard series are also in action on Friday and Saturday nights. Cup race, though, 312 laps, 500 kilometers. My question is if we're going to see what we saw in Vegas or are we going to see what we saw at Homestead? Or are we going to see what we saw at Phoenix last fall? Could we see the number nine, Chase Elliott, dominate, work his way from the back to the front once again? Are we going to see the Penske cars of Logano and Keselowski be really fast? Is Kevin Harvick going to have a bounce back weekend after his dismal 20th place finish, a lap down at Vegas? I don't know. But that's why we're going to race and see how it all plays out. I can't wait. Hope you guys watch. I'll be with you. Look, nuts of the week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Penalties post Vegas. Mike Shiplett is the loser here. Crew chief for Cole Custer. He had two loose lug nuts post inspection in Vegas and is now going to be suspended for one race and be fined $20,000. In addition, Rodney Childers for Kevin Harvick, James Small for Truex, Ben Bayshore for Kyle Busch, Greg Irwin for Matt Benedetto, and Luke Lambert for Chris Busher. They have all been fined $10,000 for one loose lug nut post Vegas. Kings Hawaiian, they've partnered with NASCAR on naming rights to dining areas at some select tracks. So I love carbs. I love bread. That's good news for everybody. Las Vegas earned a 2.6 rating with 4.3 million viewers for Sunday's Pennzoil 400. So that's a tick off from last year's Phoenix race. But nevertheless, pretty good trend there. Pit Boss Grills is going to sponsor Eric Amarola at Phoenix and Atlanta as a primary sponsor at Seward Haas Racing. Dano's Seasoning is going to sponsor Spencer Boyd at Pocono. They were an associate at Vegas this past weekend. Akinori Ogata will run for Rayum Brothers Racing in Atlanta in the Truck Series. Speaking of Atlanta, they announced a sellout around 20,000 or so fans that are going to attend for their cup race in, in a week or so here. Tire Pros and Junior Motorsports, they've partnered to sponsor Josh Berry and Sam Mayer this season. Car Shop is going to do the same with Austin Sindrick and Team Penske in multiple races this year. Kevin Harvick is going to run three Xfinity races this year at Coda, Road America, and the Indianapolis Road Course for Stuart Haas Racing. Again, that's in the Xfinity Series, getting some more road course experience under his belt. Also is going to make a return to the Truck Series, first time since 2015 at the Bristol Dirt Track for David Gillen Racing in the 17 with Hunt Brothers Pizza as a sponsor there. KHI management client Ryan Priest also going to run that same truck for DGR at Nashville and in Pocono for back-to-back -back races. And lastly this week, Ross Chastain is going to have Moose Fraternity as a sponsor for multiple races in 2021, and he will also pilot the Nice Motorsports 44 truck with Circle B Diecast as a partner at Atlanta next weekend. So getting the band back together of sorts over there at Nice with Ross. That'll wrap things up this week, party people, for episode 98 of Victory Lane 2.0. Do me a favor. If you like what you heard here today, leave a rating, review, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. I mean, we're putting in the work for you this week. We got my dad with another great Wayback segment, Benny Scholl with the anthem. He was on Dylan Welch Part 2. I'm working my butt off for y'all, party people. So do me a favor, drop me a line and hit me up. Leave a rating and a review. Tell me you like what you're hearing. Or if you think something can be improved, let me know too. Totally open to that as well. Until next week, we're creeping up on 100. Next week will be episode 99. Got to be the Carl Edwards edition, right? Got to be. 
Uh, I will catch you on the flip side, but stay safe, stay inside, keep washing those hands, get vaccinated if you can. Hopefully I will be able to soon, and I'll talk to you all then.